You're listening to Living in His Love on The Answer Broadcasting with Rev. Trudy Daly. Now, let's prepare to hear this week's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide and direct this program. May all that is said and done be truthful and loving and reflect your word and your ways. Open the ears and hearts of those listening that they might be blessed by what is said. Help each listener to know and understand how much you love them and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to save them and that you want to help them in every situation in their lives. Amen. Hello. This is the fourth and final teaching from my book, His Body, His Blood. This is an excellent book to read this time of year leading up to Passover, Resurrection Sunday, and through Lent. Let us continue. You hear the expression, you are what you eat. All that Jesus held in his being becomes part of our body. When we eat the elements of him, it becomes part of every cell of our body, soul and spirit. It becomes our spiritual nourishment. When we partake in the body and blood, he becomes part of us. His cells become part of our cells. His DNA becomes part of our DNA. There is a union that takes place like a husband and a wife. We become one with our creator. Why do we need to do this? Well, Jesus said so. That would be the first reason. <clears throat> when we are born again, why is it necessary to be spirit-filled? Why is it necessary to be baptized with water? Why is it necessary for Jesus to have breathed on his disciples on top of the experience of the infilling at Pentecost? More and more ways to go deeper in the Lord. When I was born again, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. My life was totally, radically changed. But yet, 20 years later, I experienced another infilling at the, the Toronto Revival. I was already born again, spirit-filled, but again I was radically changed and more empowered. I never would have done some of the things God's used me for if it had not been for that. Communion is like that, instrumental for deeper things and part of the new covenant part of our marriage. It's everlasting life within us. I share so many fascinating things about DNA in my book. It is said that it's many people's favorite part of the book. It's the, half, the second half of the book. I cannot begin to tap into that, but we're going to just talk about one aspect here. Remember, you might remember from biology class or today's DNA tests, the son carries the Y DNA of his father. It does not carry down through the mother, although many things are carried down from the mother. But the Y DNA is identical or nearly 
identical to the fathers and their fathers and their fathers to the beginning person. You men have the DNA of every male ancestor all the way back to Adam. Women have the MT DNA, mitochondrial DNA, of every female ancestor back to the first mother, Eve. But Jesus, on his father's side, has no one but God, the Father himself. It's just Father God in communion. We are all God's sons. When we partake of Jesus into us, we are actually taking in the supernatural DNA genetic makeup of Father God. I'd like to repeat that because it's so powerful. When we take the blood of Jesus into us, we are, we are actually taking the very supernatural DNA genetic makeup of Father God. That's Jesus' Father, our Father, our very Creator, the Creator of the world and the universe. God the Father becomes part of us through the blood of Jesus. Don't forget, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. We too become one with him. His DNA information becomes stored within us. Not only were we created in this likeness, his DNA is part of our body, soul, and spirit man. His love, holiness, goodness, purity, peace, patience, kindness, mercifulness, forgiveness, and every other wonderful attribute of God flows into every cell of our body, into every organ, and flows within our blood and within our whole body. It becomes part of our heart and our brain and our eyes, mouth, hands, and feet. How better to love him and to serve him and our fellow man. The supernatural is ignited in every cell of our body. Our own blood is transformed. The light of Christ, Messiah, runs through our body and transforms us. Love runs through every cell of our body. Father God is love, and he flows within us. No wonder the enemy works so hard to distort people's view of communion and cause them to view it as unimportant in the life of a believer. Some Christians do not even believe in taking communion at all. When reading the word, it makes one wonder if one could even be saved without it. Jesus' very own words say, Again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. How important is this? I recently heard Tom Horn. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tom Horn. Um, he's a wonderful uh, 
pastor, for one thing, of Skywatch TV. He's the head of that. He says, in the same way we take DNA of Jesus and the Father in communion, the devil, too, will find a way to get his DNA into people in the last end days. Let's talk a little bit about the New Covenant. This is not in the book, but the New Covenant is the marriage of the Lamb to his bride, and we are his bride. This is not my revelation. This comes from the movie Before the Wrath, an excellent movie. Um, you can get it or view it on Amazon. Really, it's um, about the rapture and how people today don't believe in the rapture anymore. But um, there's an aspect here to be learned uh, that goes with communion. In the Galilean weddings, it differs from the rest of Israel. Their, their weddings are totally different than the others. Well, maybe not totally, but all Jesus' disciples were Galilean, and they understood and they recognized this. So when Jesus said, I go prepare a place for you, where I go, I come for you and bring you to where I am. This is the Galilean groom's words. The groom pours a cup for the, his bride-to-be, the cup of joy. He passes it to the bride. She now has the choice if she will accept or reject the proposal of marriage. Do, do you accept the drink of the cup? It is not complete unless she is willingly agrees and drinks the cup. See how necessary it is for us to drink the cup, which is the blood poured out for us? This is the new covenant. She accepts by drinking from the cup. The groom will drink from the cup, as Jesus did at the Last Supper. Then says publicly, the groom then says publicly, you are now consecrated to me and I will not drink of this cup again until you are with me in my father's house where I prepare a place for you. Isn't that amazing? He goes on and he builds an extension onto his father's house for him and his bride. It is a legal binding contract. Then the groom leaves for a long time, sometimes up to a year or more. In that time, she needs to remember him and be ready. And when she return, when he returns in the middle of the night, and only his father knows when, the groom does not know. It's his father that decides the time but it's in the middle of the night, like a thief, the rapture, when he returns for us. The rapture is part of the wedding. It's part of the new covenant. 
During the Last Supper, Jesus established the new covenant. One of the cups is that cup, the cup of acceptance. Jesus said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until I drink with you at my kingdom. He pours his blood and they, we, are going to mark it by drinking the wine or the fruit. <clears throat> this forms a new union and sets it in motion. You eat from the same bread and the same cup. It is a common union, no longer two, but one. As we partake of communion, we become one with him. At the Last Supper, Jesus was talking to his bride. They were all Galileans, and they recognized this. We don't know it because we're not Galilean. It's different from the rest of the Jews. The new covenant is our betrothal, which is legal and binding. We are consecrated to him. We have accepted and we wait for his return for us. And we get us, and he gets us, returns for us in the rapture. The rapture is part of the completion of the marriage. He comes to take us with him in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, this is from the video, Before the Wrath. But every time we receive communion, we are showing him, acknowledging that we remember this covenant. We have not forgotten he says, remember me when you do this. Yes, because he is our groom and he will come for us when preparations are ready. It takes a long time, so don't forget me. He says, communion is an intimate marital act of acceptance and joy. It's like the engagement, but even more because it's legal and binding. Jewish engage engagements are legal and binding. It is not like our engagements. I understand it, at least with the Galileans, that they are married because of drinking the cup. And they celebrate it and consummate it afterwards. He is our groom. We are the bride, meaning we're already married. When the groom comes, we celebrate it. We remember. We make ourselves ready in preparations. We are not sleeping like the five virgins that are not prepared. We're ready. No wonder the enemy wants to distort marriage so much these days. Who will want to go to a marriage supper and marry our groom when the generation, this generation or a generation hates marriage and commitment. Communion is a marriage commitment. It is an affectionate, intimate, and loving moment 
we are consecrated to him. This is the third cup they drank at the Passover. Last but not least, take I'm going to talk about taking communion correctly. Paul says people are sick and dying because they take communion wrongly. Paul shares with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32, the Amplified Classic and the Amplified. And it's kind of long, but I'm going to read this because it's, uh, it's very good, especially in this translation. For I believe, for I receive from the Lord Jesus himself. So he received this message from the Lord directly, and he passes it on to you. It is given to me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while his betrayal was in progress, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this, do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when supper ended, he took the cup also, saying, This cup is the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, to call me affectionately to your remembrance. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him, will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man thoroughly examine himself, and only when he has done this should he eat of the bread and drink the cup. For everyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sickly, and quite enough of you have fallen into the sleep of death. For if we searchingly examined ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged and the penalty decreed by the divine judgment. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined and chastened so that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punish punishment along with the world. 
So then, my brothers, when you gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together to bring judgment on yourselves. About the other matters, I will give you directly, personally, when I come. So that's really powerful. And I want to sum up and finish up. Before taking the suppers, the Lord's Supper, we need to look at ourselves and do an examination of ourselves and deal with the issues the Holy Spirit shows you. You want to repent for wrongdoings, whether it is a thought or a word, something you've done or neglected to do, and turn from your sin. Forgive those who have hurt us. Repent for hurting others. Recognize and acknowledge it is the Lord's body and blood, as Paul said. Treat communion as holy and do not carelessly, do not take it carelessly, but intimately and lovingly. Remember, he is the lamb that was slain for our sins and carry our, carried our sicknesses. There is healing in communion. Take it daily for an illness you may be suffering with. Taking the Lord's Supper causes us to remember our groom who is preparing a place for us. He is coming for us. Treat communion as holy and do not partake carelessly, but intimately, affectionately, allowing him to consecrate us to himself. We look back at the Messiah's death and we look forward to his second coming and our marriage supper with the, our groom when he will drink that cup again with us and the sealing of our marriage. And then we also look at the present time. We acknowledge his presence here and now. Linger in his presence when you can. Believe, take in faith. This grows through time and activates the supernatural. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we can pray right now. A simple prayer and you can pray it out loud with me Lord Jesus I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior I confess I am a sinner forgive me I accept your forgiveness I am now a child of God Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to grow spiritually and live your ways through me. Amen. You may start reading the Gospel of John. Thank you for joining me. I pray that this helps many people. God bless you. Dear listeners, Thank you for sharing this time together with us. We ask God to bless you, heal you, 
and to provide, protect, and prosper you. May God allow you to experience more and more of his love for you. We pray that this week's message has touched you in a powerful way. To connect with us online, visit us at theanswerbroadcasting.com.